0: Will you join me in prayer? O gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, as I said at the welcome, I am recording this on Friday morning. There are six states that are still undecided. Hopefully we'll know by this morning, by Sunday morning, uh, who our president will be. But one thing is clear. No matter who our president is, we have our work cut out for us. Because if there is one thing that this election has shown us, it is how deeply divided we are as a nation and how deeply we are in need of healing. Now, as you all know, these aren't just minor divisions. These aren't nuances over tax policy or or national debt concerns. These are uh, deep divides around ideology and values. And while in some ways the results shouldn't be a surprise, um, how close it was shouldn't be a surprise. It certainly wasn't a surprise to most people of color in our country. I know that for many of us it was sobering um, to watch the results come in and see uh, just how close it was and it's been sobering to realize just how far we have to go to find unity to find common ground to dismantle the white supremacy and the racism that so clearly undergirds our entire country and just our decision-making and our fears, and to find a way forward. What is also revealed is just how deeply uh, the lines are drawn. Democrat and Republican, urban and rural, racial divides. And not only that, but all the language around how we treat each other, all this language around us and them, that these divisions are there, these walls are there, and then the meanness with which we speak to each other, which we have modeled in our highest leadership, this language that uh, really makes it seem like the other group, whoever they are, are enemies that they are full of ill will and ill intentions and beyond redemption. And to hear the language that is used and to hear the the hate and the violent rhetoric that is used just reminds us again of the work of healing and wholeness and justice that we have to do. well then we get this story of Jonah and Jonah was certainly operating also out of an us-and-them mentality Jonah was part of the us the Israelites the Ninevites were them they were they were enemies it was a violent city a political enemy they were scum in Jonah's mind worthless the, the Assyrians, where Nineveh is the capital, um, they had come in and destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel. And so there was nothing good about them in Jonah's mind. To even go there would be a waste of time. He couldn't change them because they wouldn't listen. And besides that, he really didn't want them to be redeemed. For all he knew, they deserved what was coming to them so I get why Jonah wanted to run away initially I get why uh, Nineveh was one way and he went to Tarshish the other way I get when he got a second chance and the fish spit him back up on the shore and God said go to Nineveh that he went and only gave a half-hearted attempt just went into the city and said 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown and then got out of there to set up a booth and hopefully watch them burn. And so he's actually irked when the people listen to his call, when they actually show repentance. Everyone from the king all the way down to the cattle put on sackcloth and repent. And he's mad when God sees this repentance and God changes God's mind and spares the city of Nineveh. This isn't justice, thinks Jonah. Justice is giving them what they deserve. Justice is not mercy. And so Jonah, who in this story becomes the most successful prophet ever in the Hebrew scripture for all the lives he changed, instead of celebrating his success He is resentful and angry, and this is how the story ends. And as the video said, the way it ends becomes a question for us. Are we angry because God loves our enemies? Are we angry because our enemies have not gotten their just desserts, and that's really what we were hoping for? Are we angry because deep down we don't actually want to see them redeemed because we think they are beyond redemption? I think if we're honest, some of us might say yes to these questions. And this is where we need help. This is where we need God's help because in order to find a way forward, in order to continue to work for justice and peace and stand up against evil, and in order to forge a path that doesn't uh, end up in some kind of civil war, we're going to have to find a way to see the humanity in our enemies. Just as they will have to see the humanity in us. We are going to have to recognize and try to unearth some of the fears and the longings and the worries that our so called enemies have so that we can try to build relationships and work for transformation and healing and wholeness. We're going to have to find a way to stand up against injustice without deciding that all of the perpetrators of injustice or those who support them are beyond redemption. And for this, we're gonna need God's help. We're gonna need God's help to soften our hearts and those of our so-called enemies. We're gonna need God to show us the way of compassion so that we can get past our own anger and bitterness and try to listen to each other. We're going to need God to give us the courage to look at the structures of society that have created these enemy lines, structures like white supremacy and racism. How these structures have created deep fears and scarcity mentalities around power and privilege. And we're going to have to try to understand how those fears play out in people's lives, how they play out in our own lives. Which likely means that, like Jonah, we're going to have to get up and cl- up close and personal with some people that we don't like. And some people that probably don't like us either. What's clear is that um, no president is going to be able to solve this problem for us as one uh, conservative opinion writer wrote in the New York Times this week, he said, this isn't gonna be a top-down approach. It's going to have to be from the bottom up. People of goodwill on both sides, on all sides, trying to build relationship, work for transformation, one person, one relationship, One family, one community at a time. It's going to start at that local, interpersonal level where we have to come near to each other and talk to each other and try to hear each other and remember that no one is beyond redemption. One of the groups that I continue to learn from and learn tools on how to do this from is Respond to Racism, which has been Uh, Meeting for three years now, initially in our church, and now online over Zoom. And this is a group that demonstrates deep courage and commitment to continuing to work for growth and justice and education and civil discourse. And each month, this group meets to share stories of humanity, to share what it's like to be part of this local community, particularly as people of color and to enter into difficult conversations and honest conversations. And this week, uh, Willie Poinsett, one of the leaders of Respond to Racism, um, shared a story about something that had happened recently in our own community. Some of you have heard that uh, there were two deer heads recently left in front of, one in front of a political sign and one in front of a uh, social justice, a racial justice sign. And in the course of reporting on this, the paper quoted an officer who gave a a callous and thoughtless remark. Now instead of responding with increased hate, with vitriol, with meanness, with enemy language which Respond to Racism could have done, instead uh, a person from the Respond to Racism community called the police department and asked to speak with the officer, and then explain to the officer how and why his comment was hurtful. And in this case, the officer was able to hear it and offer an apology, an understanding about how what he said was hurtful. And Willie carried that apology to the group. It was a wonderful example of that teaching moment of being willing to, instead of draw the lines in the sand for more enemies, to to enter into conversation and to try to work for uh, justice and repentance without vilifying the so-called enemy, without thinking that they are beyond redemption. To me, this is what is going to be asked of us in the coming days and weeks and months and years that we need to stay committed to the values that we hold the values of of truth and justice we need to name the evils in our society which i think god also abhors white supremacy racism economic exploitation climate change we need to combat the misinformation around all of these things And we need to stay true to this commitment to follow God's call and fight, but do so in a way that doesn't vilify all those that we would perceive as enemies and doesn't add fuel to the fire. Instead, we work for that reconciliation, and we work as hard as it is for that understanding and that transformation. This is hard to do. and it's much easier said than done and yet what this scripture helps teaches us is that we have a god who is bigger than any one political party bigger than any one election that god's love is broader than any boundaries we want to hold god's compassion wider than any circles we want to draw and god's mercy extends even to those who we are certain are outside of god's ability to Redeem. Which is why, in the end, I think this story is not so much about Jonah, but really about God. About God who uses a reluctant prophet A prophet who doesn't really want to have to stand up and do this work, but knows that's his call. A a prophet who gets a second chance and a third chance. And a a prophet who gets equipped over and over again as we do. It's about a God whose heart breaks at evil. Who longs for justice and righteousness and healing and wholeness and redemption, and will work to draw people, prophets, and political enemies alike into the redeeming arms of God's love. And so no matter how this election turns out, we have our work to do. To be mindful that for better or worse, no one is beyond redemption. And that it is better for us to wish for and work for the repentance and the healing of our enemies than to wish and hope for their destruction. And to remember that God is always at work in the work of transformation. Not only for our enemies, but for us, that we may grow in love, in courage, in compassion, and in our understanding of God's boundless love and mercy. So may our God heal us, and our nation of every ill, and may God continue to lead us in the ways of justice and compassion. Amen.